It's rare I remember a prophetic word, but I just asked the Lord to remind me because Derek had to step out and go get Angie last week when I felt the prophetic word. And I want to tell you the circumstance. I don't often do this. I, was, I live up on the hill. And last week I was driving down and I just said, Lord, what are you saying this morning? He said, I'm saying something to Derek. And he said, he said, it's a year of promises. It's a year of fulfilled promises. 2019 is going to be a year you look at and say, this is a year of fulfilled promises. And I felt like the Lord began to show me a bank of promises that were yours, that you've known, you've known they're yours. You've known it as a man of God. You've known it as a son of God. And then and then disappointment and, and, and even disbelief. I'm not going to use the word unbelief, but disbelief has tried to creep in. And the Lord just said, this is a year of fulfilled promises. And I, I felt like they're even, they are connected to prosperity, but that's not the, the goal. That's just part of the promise to actually get to the, to the final destination of what God is saying. But then I heard the Lord say this, tell him to contend. The Lord says, contend for your promises. Contend in this year like you've never contended before. And, and he, he says, I want you to contend as a place of partnership just to say, I believe what you're saying, God. And the Lord just says, in that place, whether you do it well or you do it little, I'm going to know that my promises are alive in you. And you're going to see them in this year. So we just declare over you this year, Fulfilled promises. I just say to anything that has stood against us, we laugh at you now. And we say, get out of the way. Get out of the way. And we just declare that the goodness and the love of God is surrounding these promises in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. Just one more thing I want to share, then we're going to jump right in the Word and... And I'm just going to share a little bit of something that God dropped in my heart. But this morning, Tom and Kathy, I just want to say this. As we were singing at one point, you know, most of the time the Lord speaks to me. But all of a sudden, I begin to see this giant golden river going into both of you. It was, it was, it was glorious. And, and like gold doesn't even just really describe it. And it was going right into you. And I said, God, what are you doing? He said, I'm putting strength in you. But the strength was going to manifest in joy and glory. And I just, I want to say to you in this next season, you're about to experience more joy and glory than you've ever known before. And, and, and it's going to be like a strength. And I, I actually heard the Lord say this, though, as I was just sitting there staring at it, watching it go into you. He said, this is going to be stronger than any personal resolve you've ever had. Because this is from heaven. And it's going deep in, and you're about to feel a grace on you to have resolve like you've never had before, and it's because it's from heaven. It's the strength of heaven determining, no, this is what we're going to do right now. And so I just, I say to, the, I say to you guys, be encouraged, because the Lord has decided to open the floodgates of heaven over you. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. I want to I wanna talk this morning about running the race, about running God's race. And those of you that know me know I'm a little bit competitive. So I like that he didn't call it a jog. I hate jogging. 
You know what jogging is? It's running with no intention. It, like, people are like, I'm going for a jog. Like, what, what are you going to win at the end? And they're like, no, I'm just jogging for fun. I'm like, that's sick. <laughs> like, what about, what? Well, let's race. You know, like, I never liked to run until they told us there was a trophy. And I'm like, let's race. And, and I want to talk about the race. I, I believe it's actually really scriptural. But I, as I was preparing for this, I just began to hear the Lord talk to me about how at the end of the year, oftentimes, you know, the world talks about evaluating the year and making resolutions for the next year and all these things. And I just felt like the Lord just told me, hey, use this time to, to as a mile marker to recognize where are you at in your race? Where are you at in your race? Where are you at in your walk with the Lord? Where are you at in your pursuit of who He is in your life? Where are you at? And I don't mean to get into some weird navel-gazing about how, how good you're behaving and how good you did or how poor you did. I'm talking about what is God doing in your life and what can you say yes to again right now and see it begin to stir you to the freshness of the things of God. I want to say this, the things of the kingdom are fresh. And if you're feeling in a place of dryness and staleness, I want to encourage you today that there is a place where God is wanting to stir you up right now today and when you come out of here and say, I'm ready to run. And I actually believe that the Lord spoke a verse to me actually in worship and so it's not going to be up there, okay? But it's fine. Um, you can do it. We did it for hundreds of years without a projection behind us, you know? And, and it's actually in 1 Kings 18 and it's talking about Elijah and he's, he's just gone and he's gone into the, the battle with the prophets of, uh, at Mount Carmel and he, and, they, and he sees a great victory and, he, and he's praying for rain, right? And we know the story. All of a sudden he, he's praying for rain and he sends his, his servant back and forth to look for the, the cloud and he says, I see nothing. And all of a sudden he sees what? The cloud the size of a man's hand, right? And that's not what I'm going to talk about today. But I want to tell you, persist for what God says. And then, and then all of a sudden he recognizes that the cloud the size of a man's hand is about to do everything that God had intended and promised. And I want to tell you that the promises of God don't always look like what you think because it only takes a little bit of God to fulfill the destiny of what he said. And, and all of a sudden, Elijah realizes that it's time to run. And, and, and he begins, but I love this. It says, the power of the Lord came on Elijah. And then he tucked his, his robe up under. He girded his loins, it says, and he outran the chariots to where he was going. And the run I want to talk to you about today is a run that is supernatural. It is a run that is empowered by the Holy Spirit. It is a run that God has intended you and every believer in this room and every believer in the world to be in. And he's saying, will you recognize my empowering to run? See, God hasn't called us to to simply walk around. You know, I know a lot of Christians that they live a spiritual moseying life. They're like, well, whatever I run into, I do. When God is saying, no, I've intended you to be empowered to run. Because he's actually called us to be the splendor of who he is on earth. I'm going to say that again. He has called us to be the splendor, to display the splendor of who God is on earth. 
See, where we've gotten lost is we've forgotten that it's through the church, it's through His people, through His children, that He's looking to manifest revival. And we've, we've so long cried out to heaven for revival, and I think heaven is crying back to the church, be who you're called to be, and you will walk in constant revival. But He's looking for a people who will run. He's looking for Elijah's in the new covenant who will gird up their loins and be empowered by the Holy Spirit to run. That's your destiny. And I, I want to just say this. Sometimes I think when we talk about things of the kingdom, we approach them as optional. Like, well, I don't, I'm not really feeling like running today. When the call of God is to live a constant run. And see, we've, we've, we've grown weary in this idea because we've tried to approach this run naturally. And this run is supernatural. It is not to be sustained by your effort, even though I'm going to talk about effort here in a minute. But it, it cannot be sustained by good thinking. It cannot be sustained by even resolve. The only thing it can be sustained by is the empowerment of God. He wants to empower you to run. He wants you to be like Elijah. And, and you know, I want to say this. Elijah wasn't always, he was up and down. If you read about Elijah, was he not up and down? But God was empowering him to do something that he couldn't do. And I want to encourage you today, if you don't hear anything I say as we talk about running with him, be empowered today to run again. You know, let's evaluate where we're at. I want to tell you that great rain is coming in this next season. Great rain. And it's, it's amazing that it says in Zechariah, in the time of rain, ask for more rain. And I believe that we have been in a season of rain and the goodness of God and tilling our land and, and preparing the soil and God saying, ask for more rain. Why? Because it's, it's that empowering that will cause you to run. If you have not been a runner in the kingdom of God, don't listen to the lies that the enemy is trying to speak to you right now. Just be encouraged that it's your day to learn to run. It's your day. So turn with me to Acts 20, 24. We're going to look at a few verses and we're going to look at some aspects of running. Acts 20, 24. Context here is Paul is talking to the elders at Ephesus. They're his friends. And he's not ever going to see them again, so he's giving them a charge. He's telling them what life is supposed to look like without Paul. And he says this in verse 24. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. Remember, he was crucified with Christ. He no longer lived, but Christ lived in him. It's the same guy. The only way you'll ever really run is to recognize your life is not your own. The more you try to hold on to your own life, the more it becomes an anchor in the run. The reason we talk about Paul, the reason we see him writing all the scripture is because he truly understood what it was to die to everything but Christ. And I know that that is a huge one to start with, but I just want to say this. If you do not let your life go, it will eventually try to rule your run. And God is looking for a people who say, my life is no longer my own. And that's not what we're talking about. Let me just read the next part. It says, my life is worth nothing to me. If only I may finish the what? The race and complete the task Jesus has given me. And he knew his task, the task of testifying 
to the gospel of God's grace. See, there was a race that God had called him to, and I love, I love Paul. I think Paul was an athlete because he didn't say, hey, we're in this, this journey or this walk. He was saying there's a race. Why? Because there's an opponent. There's an opponent that's trying to keep us from winning the prize. And the prize is, is it can be a lot of things. I, I was just talking with the Lord, and I was like, God, I think this is the prize. And he was like, no, that's one of them. Like, the main prize is getting to be with him. But there's other prizes, the prize of the actual revelation of who Jesus is. And, and you get to live out and experience the revelation. Like, if you haven't experienced him as love, the moment you experience him as love, that is a prize that you get in the run. If you haven't experienced that, I want to tell you, don't try to run without it. The love of God is the fuel to the run. But we have to begin to understand that the, this, this race is the call to be in a spiritual life, a spiritual pursuit with Him. See, there's a pursuit that God is looking for us to live in. The word run and race actually means that there is a course set out. See, we're going to have a 5K here. And it's a very simple course. We're going to go up and back on Davis Lane. And some courses in the kingdom are that simple. Like God just says, here's the course, up and back. And then sometimes, has anyone ever done like a, a Titan race or a Spartan race or anything like that in here? Anyone know what I'm talking about? I think you've heard me tell this once before, but one time, as a birthday present to Chris Rhodes, and you know that guy, he's psycho. He's my best friend growing up. He's like, I want to do, I want you to come do the Titan race with me. Now, Chris is like the guy that runs seven miles for fun. Like, that's called sick, right? And, and I run seven miles a year. <laughs> Unless I got a ball in my hand, then I don't even know. I just love it. And so Chris says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to come run with me. He's like, that's what I want for my birthday. And I should have known right then, this is a bad plan. And he goes, I'm going to send you the map of the course. I was like, it's not starting well. And the first thing it says is, two-mile run. I'm like, oh, so we'll be done after that? No, the, the beginning thing was a two-mile run. And then it says, you will get to the cars. I didn't know what that meant. Till we got there, and there's a gigantic stack of cars you had to crawl over. And they're all crunched up and everything. And it says, then you will get to the wall. And then you will get to the tires. And then you will get to the mud pit. Everybody close your eyes and think about the mud pit. It was like this deep. I will say it wasn't my finest moment. I used young, thin runners to position myself to run right over the mud. What I'm saying is there was a course that wasn't as easy as Davis Lane. But because we knew the course, we could fulfill the race. And God has many different places where he'll set you on course and he's saying, I want you to run. And as I have journeyed in life and led people for over 20 years, I've realized that many people have sat down on their race. And... and Multiple things, disappointment, disillusion. Here's the one that boggles my mind. Victories, and they just camp around one victory and say, this is what God did for me. 
And I'm like, well, what's he doing now? And they're like, I don't know. I just know this is what he did for me. And I'm like, run the race. See, God has, has called us to this amazing race. And, and I want to say this again. It's supernatural. You can always be running faster. See, I, I, I can always tell when I say stuff like that. People are like, well, that's not how it's experienced. I don't care what your experience has been in this. If I read the scripture, we're called from strength to strength and glory to glory. Ever increasing glory. 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, hey, because you have seen him and beheld him. Turn with me. We're going to go there real quick. You can do it. 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, and we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory and being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord. And I wrote this down. The race transforms us. And there is a grace that God has wanted to put from glory to glory where you can run faster than you did. See, the kingdom of God is not like the natural. In the natural, you run fastest when you're young. Yes? If you're a little older, how many of you remember running faster? I do. I played basketball in the Dominican Republic. After about three games, I was like, oh boy, the old gray Subaru is not what it used to be. And they're like, go again. And I'm like, with someone else? And they're like, no, you, we want you to play. I'm like, oh. Why? Because I used to could run a lot faster. But in the spiritual, there is always increase. There's no place of depleting. It's actually the strength you gain actually allows you to run faster and harder than you've ever run before. So if you're older in here, no excuses. And if you're younger, quit getting, get over yourself because you're going to get a lot better. See, he's wanting us to understand that this is supernatural. Everything I'm talking about today, you cannot do in the flesh. You can't resolve yourself to run harder. You can't resolve yourself to be better. You can't resolve yourself to to memorize more and it's going to make me... No, it comes. It's supernatural. It's being strengthened by Him. So four things about the run. We're going to do these pretty quick today. 1 Corinthians 9.24. I like this one. 1 Corinthians 9.24. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way to get the prize. I want to tell you that there is a positioning of yourself that says, I'm not just in this to be a part of something. I'm actually running in such a way to get the prize. I'm running to to see everything that God has promised. See, the promises that God is promising, Derek and Angie, there's a place where he says, now run for them. And and I believe that one of the most dangerous things we've done in the church is we we all have these prophecies or prophetic words and say, well, if God wants to do them, he can do them. And he's saying, no, I need runners who will run. That's why it says in Habakkuk, hey, write down the revelation so people can run with it. The very promise is supposed to cause you to run after the fulfillment of what God is setting your life. And we've, we've gone into a weird min- microwave mentality in the church where we type in our prophecies and say, hey, when God wants to do it, he can do it. And he's saying, no, when you choose to partner with me and run in such a way to get the prize. See, I, 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 just, I always go back to athletics. There's a way to play 
where you're still playing, but you're not playing to win. Like, when the kids were little, I mean, it was hard for me, but sometimes we would play, and, and I would let them win. Like, like, I wouldn't block their shot if we were playing basketball. Oh, good job. But now, when I play with Damaris, i got to play hard. Like, if I want to win, I have to play at full potential. See, there's a huge difference. Both ways, I'm still playing. But there's a way to understand, and, and it's understanding that, hey, the prize is worth my effort. Now, the prize is worth going after. Run in such a way to get the prize. And you say, well, I need to know what the prize is. The prize is the promises of God. The prize is His presence. Not that we earn it, but it's the partnership that says, man, I want nothing else. When I run that way after His presence, I just want to say this, I always have more of it in my life. But if I just say, well, yeah, we're two or three are gathered, I'm going to be in His presence. Yeah, I get the the manifestation of His presence, but not that tangible place because I'm not running in such a way to get the prize. Come on, just loosen up a little. I want it to be fun in here. Because we've all run. We've all run. I, I think one reason God uses running is because when we were little, we all ran. You may not know how to run anymore. But when you see kids, they rarely walk anywhere. They just run, right? I mean, that's one thing about Damaris. She's always been a runner. Like if we told her, hey, we're going to the car, she ran to the car. Why? Because it had to win, right? She gets that from me. Hey, we won, I won last night at the staff Christmas party or the leader's Christmas party. Yeah, and I named myself Winner. That was my handle. Why? Because I was declaring what not, was not as though it was, right? All right. I'll just say that somebody came in second and third, first. But we have to understand that this place of, I, I, in the Greek, I want to just show you something real quick. Run in such a way, I like what the, this is rare that I say this. I like what the King James says. It says, run in such a way to obtain the prize. Obtain it. There's a way to obtain it. And the word right there is katalambano. It means to actually seize hold of what God is doing. To seize it. And see, running has a form, a, a place, and a, it's a metaphor for effort. The things of God he's, he's offering to us, they're all ours. To participate in His divine nature, miracles, loving people beyond ourselves, those are all attributes He's saying, hey, these are things you can do, but you have to pursue them. You have to seize them, take hold of it. It actually means to take hold with such violence you won't let go. And to me, that's everything about the run. Now, I'm going to tell you a story. There's a certain school that shall not be mentioned that Hill Country Christian School plays. They deserve to be beat at every moment. Is that not right? I won't say who it is. But that way. It's that way. And I used to coach and I used to tell my team this. If we have 30 games and we play them twice, I don't care if we're 2 and 28 as long as the two wins are against them. I was like, I don't care how bad we lose every other game, but if we are 2 and 0 against them, it's a winning season. 
And what it began to create was an atmosphere of such, I'm going to even use the word violence, but excitement, vigor, effort, focus, intentionality. I'm using a very natural thing, but I want to tell you that this, I mean, one time I looked at Damaris where she's about to play volleyball. I'm like, you ready? And she's like, ah, she couldn't even answer me. She was like, when? <laughs> Why? Because if we go into something with an expectation, it creates our actions. And sometimes I believe that we've gone into this race and we're like, well, whatever happens, happens. If we win, we win. And if we lose, well, Jesus is still on the throne. And yeah, Jesus is still on the throne and he's saying, I was looking for the W there though. He was saying, I was looking for you to run in such a way to get the prize. I was looking for max effort. I was looking for focus and intensity. There's an intensity in the kingdom of God. We're saying, hey, run after me. And I just want to tell you as a community, as a community of believers and what God is saying, we're about to have an interjection of energy to run. I can feel it in the spirit. And the God is saying, will you gird up your loins and say, it's time to run? And if it's been a season where you're like, well, I haven't really felt like running, I want to tell you that's a lie of the enemy. Like, well, I've just been a season of rest. Only in the kingdom of God can you run at full speed and rest. Why? Because Jesus was 100% God and 100% man. God can do two things at once. He's saying, I want everything to come out of rest, but I want your effort. Hang in there. Second thing, the first thing is we run in such a way to get the prize. The second thing is that we don't run aimlessly. Let's just keep reading from 24. We're heading for 26. It says, everyone who competes in the game goes into strict training. They will do it and get a a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it like a slave so that after I have preached to others, I will not be disqualified from the prize. See, there's a place in 26 where he says, I will not run aimlessly. The run and the effort and the intensity that I'm talking about is not just for intensity's sake. Let me use another example. And, and this one is close to home, okay? I love it when the church is unified. I love it when the body of Christ is actually loving each other and like, like we're loving Sozo and we're loving San Marcos community and we're loving Promised Land. They're our friends and we, no one has to tell us to be unified for the sake of Jesus. We actually like each other. But how many of you have been to things that... Like, like prayer meetings or things where we do things to, to declare we're unified, but it accomplishes no unity. Amen? Come on, if you grew up in the church at all, you've been to some of those. Like, well, we do this because we have to. That doesn't create any unity. It's just aimless trying to do effort when God is saying, no, you need an aim. I don't want you to run aimlessly. I love the picture. I don't want you just boxing in the air. I want you to understand that there is a fo- there's a goal here. There's a goal of what I'm calling you to. It's not just effort for effort's sake. It's not to prove you're a good Christian. 
No, there's an aim that God is calling us to, to actually fulfill the destiny on our lives. He doesn't want us just running around. He doesn't want us just doing everything we see. How many of you have discovered that? That's exhausting. Like, well, I just love people, so everywhere I go, are you listening to the Holy Spirit? Are you doing it because the Holy Spirit is doing it? Are you doing it to fulfill some kind of weird thing that this is who I am? Listen, I'm not getting after you. I'm just saying, are we doing the aim of what God has called us to do? He's not wanting us to just run aimlessly. He wants to teach us how to stay on course. There was a moment when I was in the Spartan run or Titan run or whatever that was with Chris. I saw the finish line about halfway through, and I wanted to cheat so bad. Because it was just one little barbed wire fence, and I was like, man, I grew up in the country. That barbed wire fence is not going to stop me. Chris goes, what are you doing? I'm like, I the finish. I see the finish. He was like, no, the course is this way. I'm like, really? Because the finish looks a whole lot better over there. But listen, God is wanting to teach us to stay on course. He's not wanting us to just aimlessly run around and say, I'm running, look at me, I'm running. That doesn't fulfill the destiny of God in your life. And I just want to show you two ways that God intends us to understand how to stay on course. The first one is you got to know your purpose. I love Paul, back to Acts 20, 24. He says, hey, I've run the, I'm finishing the race. I'm completing the task. I'm completing the task. He, there was a clarity of purpose that was keeping him running. And it wasn't just aimless running all over the world. It was a focus of this is what God has called me to do. And if you don't know a specific purpose, I want to tell you this. Everybody has specific purpose of manifesting the glory of God on earth as his children. Because a lot of times when I get into this, people are like, well, I don't know my destiny. Manifest the glory of God everywhere you go and your, and your destiny will come clear. But you've got to know your task. It's to be a child of God on earth. It's your task to look like Father. It's actually your task when people say, hey, when I see Bill Jones, I see the Father. Why? Because we're supposed to be like Jesus, right? And Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen what? So you've got to understand, you've got to know your task, and your task will cause you to run. The moments that are most dangerous for me are when I take my eyes off of the task. The prize, Jesus, looking like Him, acting like Him, talking like Him, being like Him. That's when it gets dangerous to run aimlessly. The second thing is, and I'm doing these really quick, is though is also that there's a verse in Galatians 2, 2, and it's talking about Paul, and he says, I went and I, I met with the elders of the church in Jerusalem. This is after he had come out of the, of the desert, and he had began to preach the gospel. It says he went to Jerusalem. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Peter, James, and John. He says, I went to them, and I wanted to make sure that I wasn't running my race in vain. I wanted to make sure I wasn't aimlessly running all over the place. And what did he do? He went to people and he said, hey, guys, this is what I feel like God's put in my heart. What do you think? And they said to him, it seems good to us in the Lord that you do this. 
And I want to tell you that one of the ways to continue to be strong and with great vigor in your race is have people you're running with. And have people that can tell you when, hey, that seems a little aimless. Or have people that can say, hey, have you, have you prayed about this? I see God doing this in your life. See, God is, is not calling us to be lone rangers. He's calling us to have a community of people that celebrate your run. Listen, when I was doing that Titan race, I wanted to die. And Chris, Chris didn't want to die. He was like, this is so easy. But he would turn around and be like, come on! And he knows me. He'd be like, you're being a baby. I'd be like, you call me a baby? He'd be like, you're being a baby. I'd start out running him. with I don't know where the energy came from. Why? Because it takes people on your race. And if you're not willing to bring people in your race, I find that those people generally end up running around in circles aimlessly, fighting the air. And then they'll celebrate and say, look how hard I'm fighting. Why? Because they have no one in a reality check to say, hey, you're just beating the air. It sounds harsh until you see it, and then it's just sad. It's sad watching someone's purpose and destiny and gifting and ability just be over in the corner saying, look at me fighting, and the enemy's like, I don't even have to mess with them. So it, it, it takes us an aim. We have to aim at something, the goal. Two more things, real quick. That God has called us to run with perseverance. And oftentimes when we talk about perseverance, we get right into human effort. We talk about perseverance, and what we're really saying is, Phil Foster, try harder. And I want to tell you that that has nothing to do with the definition of spiritual perseverance. Spiritual perseverance is actually, because you're running with the Father, you begin to receive what you need to persevere when it's hard. You begin to receive what you need. Maybe it's a glass of water. Maybe it's a banana. Maybe it's someone calling you a baby. But you receive what you need and you begin to run with everything in you again with perseverance you didn't know you had. And God is looking for us to be a people who understand that not everything in the race is easy. But everything in the race is called to be overcome with perseverance. See, if we don't understand that we're called to be overcomers, we won't try to overcome when it's hard. We'll just sit down and say, well, I guess this is what God has for me. No, the enemy also has a plan for your life. And he would love for you to quit the race. So turn with me to Hebrews 12. Anyone knows the Scriptures knew where we were heading. It's therefore... Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. That's the context that there are people in heaven right now cheering you on in your race. John Whitaker, where are you at? You got me all messed up sitting way back there. And I thought about this today and I thought, man, Alicia is up there saying, go John. Run hard. Be strong. And she might even say, hey, quit being a baby. Get up. I'm sure she said this one. Clean that living room. Come on. What? She's celebrating who you are, what you're doing. All of you have a great cloud of witnesses that is celebrating. And it's not just, I don't want to get so weird that it's just like your family. It's heaven. 
Heaven celebrating your run. Why? Because you've in t- you're intended to overcome. And God said, I'm actually going to put a crowd of people who will celebrate you. They say that the times that someone running the mile with an empty track are an average of 20 seconds slower when there's a crowd full of people. Why? Because the celebration and the, and the exhortation causes you to run when you don't feel like you can do it anymore. That's not even where we're going. Let us throw everything off that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. See, God's just saying, just throw that off. We focused on that from keep us running when God said, I've already given you the ability to do that. That's called Jesus. Throw it off. Listen, we can't be sin conscious. We've got to be Jesus conscious. He's done it. Just throw it off. Like, well, if you just knew my background, throw it off. If you just knew where I've come from, throw it off. If you knew my besetting sin, that's a lie. Throw it off. That's why we're doing CR. We're going to teach people to throw it off. Not live with it. Hey, guys, can I charge you? Do not teach them to live with it. I know that that's not ever our goal, but sometimes we're like, well, they're doing a little better, so let's just... No, teach them to overcome. And then it says, and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. And the word for perseverance doesn't mean your human effort when you feel like you can't do it, stir yourself up. It actually means this, and this excites me, cheerful endurance. The Greek word was there is an endurance that comes cheerfully, and it's based in hope. Cheerful, hopeful endurance. Hope will cause you to run when you can't run. If we understand hope at all, we understand that Romans 5 tells us that hope has never disappointed. Not one human on earth ever that has had hope, spiritual hope, has been disappointed in hope. And you can try to bring me a million illustrations and I'll tell you the scripture never lies. Hope has never disappointed. And there's a hope that God is infusing us with as we run that's cheerful anticipation that even when I don't feel like it or I don't feel like it can take another step, God is saying you can do it. And it's joy. I love that it's cheerful anticipation. It's not anguish. See, we've used the word endure. And in the English, now, how many have ever endured a bad movie? Jack, that was quick. A few thousand of them, huh? You've endured. But God is not saying he wants us to endure like that. That's the kind of enduring mean you're putting up with the situation. The endurance that God is talking about is actually a joy comes into your life that causes you to begin to overcome that which is resisting the run. And he's saying, I want to put joy in your life. I want to put hope in your life. And it's going to cause you to run the race when you don't feel like it. It's going to cause you to run the race when the enemy's lying to you. It's going to cause you to run the race when you've even lost vision of where you're going because hope always comes with vision. And he's saying, I want to put joy in you. And then he gives us the ultimate example in the next verse. He says, so let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for what? For the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the Father. How did Jesus get through the thing that he was sweating blood about? It was the joy that God put in him for you. See, Jesus was thinking about the bride. He was thinking about you when he was hanging on the cross, and it gave him perseverance. 
I think he was up there. I mean, I'm putting words in, in Jesus' mouth, but I think he's laughing at the enemy. He said, I'm winning them all back, and you think you're winning. I'm winning every one of them back. And the joy of what God was doing for all mankind was giving him the strength to endure the worst death possible. The joy in him. And see, what I'm saying is, God doesn't always remove us out of our situations. He gives us joy in the situation to overcome. And I know so many people that are angry at God right now because he did not remove their situation when he said, no, I was giving you the grace and the joy to actually overcome it, not remove it. Just let that one sink in a little. Because see, we've become a church that said, if God is for us, then he'll take these things out of my life. And God is saying, no, I'm going to show you my glory by teaching you to overcome. See, a mark of the children of God, if you look at 1 John, is it's to those who've overcome. Not just those who have believed. Whoa. I want to ask you. See, we always say, are we going to be like Jesus? But I want to ask you. Are you like Jesus in this area where you can let joy come in and you can endure the circumstances you're in for the end result? Jesus didn't just endure the cross. He did it so that all of us could endure and overcome. Last one, the enemy wants to stop us from running. That's a basic statement, right? But it's, it's the truth. Because if he can keep you still and just have you live in disappointment hurt pain you know i know so many people like, oh, i've given up on the church i'm like why the church is what god is going to manifest his glory through i don't care what the church has done actually they weren't acting like the church at all i don't even like it when we call it well the church has hurt me not the church somebody in church but the church didn't hurt you you know, or like, and, we, and we, we build all these theologies of why we're not running anymore. Well, I'm older. Time for the young people to run. That's garbage. That's a lie. I believe this, that until we have a Caleb generation that rises up and realizes that they're supposed to run to the end. Good job, Norma. Boy, don't you love this girl? Why, she carries the Caleb spirit. Why? Because she's as vigorous now as the day she heard. See, if we don't have a generation that does that, they'll live in excuse land. Time for Timothy to run. I'm just going to sit this one out. Garbage. We're actually made to run together. And actually running together, and I can prove it to you, actually a pack mentality actually will outpace a single runner by almost double. But listen to this verse. It says, you are running a good race. This is Galatians 5, 7. Who cut in on you and kept you from obeying the truth? See, there's a place where the enemy is trying to cut in on you. It's the same word that's used in Hebrews where it says, hey, throw off everything that hinders. The word for cut in is what has hindered you. The enemy has got things he has crafted and schemed in your life to cause to hinder your run. And he says, you are running a good race. Who hindered you? Who cut in on you and kept you? From obeying the truth. And let me just clear this up a little bit. The word right there for obeying actually means this. This is some good stuff. To be convinced of the truth. What kept you from being convinced of the truth? It's not about your actions. It's not about saying, well, you didn't obey. It's about being convinced of the truth. 
And he's saying, hey, what kept you from being convinced of the truth? If you're convinced of the truth, you'll run. If you're convinced of who God is in your life, you'll run. If you're convinced of his promises, you'll run. If you're convinced that God is for me and who can be against me, you'll run. If you're convinced that the greater days of our nation are ahead, you'll pray with faith instead of disappointment and fear. If you're convinced that God has revival for us, you'll live like it. See, the word convinced for me, I love it because it actually means it's an action in your mind. It's it's a partnering with God in your mind that says, I don't care what everything else says because your realm is the reality. And I'm convinced it's greater. And then, listen, it goes on down to say what those that cut in on him did. And it says this in verse 10. It says, it says, the one who is throwing you into confusion will pay the penalty, whoever he may be. The, The thing that was cutting in on the Galatians was confusion. Confusion is based in the idea of lies. What had happened? Let's just get the context real quick of Galatians. The Galatians had believed that they could come to salvation by faith, right? That's where they started. It was the perfect start. He said, you haven't earned anything. It's by faith. And then, and then the Judaizers come and say, hey, not only do you get to believe, but you have to do all of these things to be saved. That's the context of Galatians. And that's who cut in on them. Why? Because it brought confusion to the simplicity of their faith. It brought confusion to the simplicity of the idea that if I believe in Jesus, I don't have to do anything else to be saved. Listen, guys, confusion will try to derail you. It's from the enemy. And we're going to pray against confusion in here today because why? God is wanting to convince you of the truth. He wants to put such a resolve in you that this is the truth. Listen, I've got such a resolve in me about healing right now. Why? Because we're in fights. All in here, we're in fights. And I've just decided, I am convinced that healing is in the atonement. That Jesus died for our sins and our sicknesses. And that whether people live or die does not change the truth of who God is. That He is healer. See, I'm convinced there's no confusion in me. And it's amazing when you begin to talk to people who have confusion in this area, how hard, how much pain and hurt they're in, that they'll actually get mad at you for just believing the truth. See, and I, man, we're going to mourn with those who mourn. We're going we're gonna to fight. We're going to contend. We're going to press in. But it doesn't change the fact that we can't let confusion come in. We can't let confusion come in on the love of God. He loves you unconditionally. And as Chris Gore said, how many conditions are in unconditional love? None. See, but if we think that we're somehow earning the love of God, then it causes confusion to come in because then your behavior will dictate how much love you get. See, those are just two examples of what the enemy wants to do with confusion in our minds, in our spirits more than that. God's removing confusion in here today, and He's putting such a resolve and intensity in us. Why? Because we have this enemy. And like I said to my junior high boys for years, we don't lose to them. Ever. Here's the only thing is, he's the only person we play. We only have one enemy. 
You have no enemies as humans on earth. We have one enemy. It's the devil. So I'm going to ask you to stand up. And I'm going to ask you to not be an audience right now. You know the difference in an audience and an assembly? An assembly responds to what God is doing. An audience listens to someone and hopes it gets on them. I believe this that with everything in me today, that God is actually empowering us to run again. To run again. If some of you in here are like, well, oh, just haven't been running, quit beating yourself up and receive the empowerment of God right now to run again. If you have never run with the Father, you have never run like G- with Jesus and you don't even know what I'm talking about, but you want to, we're going to have teams up here in a minute and they're going to pray for you and all of a sudden there's going to be a vigor in you to run after the things of God because that's what it's like to become a child of God. Some of you just need a fresh empowerment to run again. I'm going to tell you this. Heavy rain's coming. Let's outrun the chariots. Let's get to where God has us. He's saying, I'm empowering you to run. I'm empowering. It's not a season of rest. I want to tell you, it's like Ecclesiastes. It's not in there, but if it was, it would say it's a time to run. It's a time to run. And God is calling us as a community, as a body, as a church, to run like we've never run before. Say, well, we've already been running. Yes, it's supernatural. Glory to glory. Strength to strength. We're going to kick it again. And all of a sudden, there's going to be energy there. So I'm going to ask everyone just to close your eyes. And I want you to see the Father in His full delight to empower you to to run. I want you to see him, like Kathy shared earlier, with the gift of empowerment to run against. I'm going to give them this, and I can't wait to watch them run. And if you've got confusion going on in your life, I'm actually going to ask. If you've got confusion, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand right now. That's a lie of the enemy. And confusion is overcome by one kingdom truth. It's peace. So we just speak peace to your hearts. We speak peace to your minds. We speak the shalom of heaven right now to you. The shalom of heaven. The very peace of God. The very thing that was declared when the angels were saying peace to men because Jesus is here. Because Jesus is in your life. We speak peace to you now. We say to those things that have cut in and hindered, we just say no more. I say the grace to hurdle. The grace to to hurdle the plans of the enemy. And then we just receive what you're doing now as a body, Jesus. We receive the strength to run. Run in such a way to get the prize. We want to declare you're our prize. You're our reward. Come on, just receive it now. I actually believe that God is actually going to put a tangible intensity in us as we walk out of here today. An intensity to run again. We just refute the lie that it's not the season to run. Say, well, we're just, we're, we're going to sit this one out. There's no sitting them out. It's either running or sitting. And God's called us all to run. It doesn't say sit the good race. So we just receive the intensity of heaven now. We receive the empowering of heaven to run after the things of God. I actually believe there's so much revelation that God is about to release to you of who he is as you just begin to run again.
And I just want to remind you, last thing, that this is supernatural. Cannot be done in the flesh. So don't try. Just partner with Him. Partner with His invitation to run. Partner with Him to receive strength and joy today. Partner with Him to be a hope vessel. Partner with Him. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Bless you guys. We're going to have teams up here. I don't know who all is up here, but these two. Bill's in camo. If you can't see him, he's over here on my left.